Welcome to this podcast by Global Church. We are a church planting movement wanting to reach cities from here to everywhere, one to everyone. If you want to find out more information, check out our website on www.globalchurch.co.uk. For those that don't know me, my name's Seth. I've got the, the privilege to come and conclude what I think will be the last talk anyway, but certainly um, the last bit of, of the book of Philippians we've been looking at recently. And I want to um, carry on from where Matt took us off last week. But if you've missed some of the series, go and get it. It's on our website. Go and find the podcast. It's really, really good. And um, last week, Matt's talk was phenomenal. And if you didn't get it, you need to hear it. It was called A Breath of Fresh Air. I love that. And it was about loving people, going out, loving people and serving people and being a breath of fresh air. Here was his key thought, or at least my big takeout anyway, was what he did. And he, he gave us this quote from John Wesley. He said this, he said, do all the good you can by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, or to all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as you ever can. It's like, come on, who, who, there's a mission to live for, right? That's something to go for. And uh, he, he was sort of concentrating on one of my favorite bit of scriptures, which is Philippians 2. Let me just read it to this. It's Philippians 2, 5 to 8. It says this. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and he humbled himself further because he became obedient to death, even death on a cross. See, that just alone, like, that blows my mind. You know, we've got like the king of kings, the person that made absolutely everything, came here to serve. It's like everything. You know, he came knowing that he would die for us, knowing that most of us would reject him, yet he still came anyway. It's like, wow. And, you know, Matt spoke about like how he washed his disciples' feet as like a, uh, a demonstration of love, you know, for us to go with other people. It's like, wow, he went further, man. He was tortured on our behalf, and therefore we're free which is brilliant because it means we don't have to work for his love anymore. We've got that. It's free. It's given, right? We don't have to. We're working from a place of love. And so when, when we're talking about like loving others and when Matt's going out saying, come on, let's serve others. Let's love others. It's like, yeah, definitely. We've got to do it. But we're not trying to do it to like gain favor from God. It's like we've already got it. We don't need to work for it. You know, some people, a lot of people think that religion is about doing all the right things. But Jesus is completely different. You see, Jesus, when he came, he didn't come to make bad people good, right? He came to make dead people live. And it's like, and therefore we're alive now and it's awesome. So therefore we get a privilege of just serving people. So it's like, well, why would you be good to others if we don't have to? Good point, right? I, I think like that. What's the minimum I can get away with? Uh, maybe I'm just me. But here's what Jesus said. So Jesus was asked by the Pharisees, what is the most important commandment? And he, he gave two, actually. But he says this. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind. In other words, with your head, your heart, and your hands, right? With your intellect, with your emotions, and with your actions. And then he says this, love your neighbor as yourself. So it's like, it's not like we have to do it to garner favor. It's like we, we do it out of an overflow of God's love for us, which is what Matt was talking about. And, you know, it's difficult to serve people because people are awkward. I don't know if you've noticed that, but you're awkward and I'm awkward and we're all a little bit strange. We've all got our quirks. And uh, Matt talked about pride and fear, intimidation getting in the way. And uh, here's what happens when that comes. Awkwardness comes, right? Have you ever tried to serve someone and felt awkward? You've never felt, you've never really served someone if you're not awkward trying to doing it a little bit, right? I remember like, so helping your mate out, that's not awkward. But like helping a stranger out, that's awkward, you know? I had once, um, <laughs> a few times, like if you've ever tried to give like um, food to a homeless, right? That's awkward. I mean, and I even make it even more awkward, not deliberately so, but just because I want to do well. So I remember going to one person once in Manchester, 
be a young kid, I don't know, a teenager. I see his home and oh, I, I thought I'll get him some food. So I was like, oh, can I get your meal, dear? And he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then before you know it, like I'd asked him so many questions, like, okay, so if there isn't ham sandwiches, what kind of sandwich would you like? <laughs> Proper awkward, right? I've been another one, like I was at uh, Morrison's in Acom, just around the corner, and um, I, I came out and I saw this car had a flat tire and it was parked in the disabled bay, and I thought, oh man. So I waited to see who the owner was, and it was a, um, a, a real old lady, and it was like a disabled husband. And I thought, man, I'm gonna help. So I went over and said, hey, can I help? They said, yeah, I've got a flat tire. I went, can you change car tires? I said, no. Uh, so <laughs> the thought was there. <laughs> Do you know, but even now, even recently, you know, I, I was at work the other day, I was thinking, I'm trying to get this, like, be a breath of fresh air, be a breath of fresh air. And there was a, I, I was walking to the photocopy, I work in, a, in County Hall, a big office blocking Beverly, and um, I passed someone who was crying in the corridor, and there was another, uh, a colleague of mine, and there was someone else comforting her, sort of hugging her. And so I passed once, and once is all right, right, but then I had to walk back. That was a bit more awkward, it's like, oh, yeah, hi. Right, we walk a little bit back. But then I had to go back a third time, that was really awkward, because it's like, you're still there, <laughs> still crying, like that. I mean, and I can't hug, look at me. It's just difficult, and it's just weird, right? So I passed, I passed a fourth time, and I thought, I've got to say something, because this is just too much, and I don't know why, but for some reason I went, go back to the office, I'll bring a poem. I don't know why, I just, I just did it. It was like kind of David Brent, those that know the office, you're like, go and get the guitar. And so I went over, she went to her office, and she suddenly stopped crying and went to the office. And she said, I didn't know you wrote poetry. I said, yeah, I write poetry. Um, let me read you, like, do you like a love poem? She starts crying more, and I thought, okay, not a love poem. And then, you, you know, when you're trying to do something good, but you find yourself in a bit of a situation. So then I'm looking through my back catalogue, and those that know my poems are sort of like silly adult humour. So I'm going, okay, got a poem about death and autism. It's probably not for you. One about the homeless. No. I thought, oh, I've got one about animals. She said, oh, that would really cheer me up, so long as it's not nasty. I said, okay, I'll find another one. <laughs> <laughs> difficult, you know what I mean? It was difficult. Anyway, she cheered up by the end of it. So really, here's the thing, right? I don't think it's that controversial a message to say, go and love people and go and be good to people, right? It's probably, because most of us would agree with that, like, let's go and do good to all people. Probably more controversial to say, do good to everyone, like, not just the people you like. That's difficult, right? But I want to say something even, I want to take it kind of the next level up, and, and which is this. See, if you buy a homeless person some lunch, right, you probably make the day. That's probably the best thing that you could do from that day, and it's like, awesome, go for it, that's good. And if you help someone actually fix the car, not like I did, but if you actually help them do that, what would that do? Make the week, maybe, if a stranger came and helped you with a car? Probably make you week, right, which is great. And uh, if you perform a poetry as, as good as me, you're guaranteed to make someone's month. Yeah. Maybe even a little bit longer, right? But here's the thing, if you point people to Jesus, you affect their eternity. Like, their eternity. Not a week, not the month, not even the year, like their eternity. You see, that's something, right, that's worth getting out of bed for in the morning. That's something that you can live for, that's something that you can die for. You know, we've got to, in church, we really need to get rid of this label of like, Keeney, he's a Keeney and he's not. It's like, no, we should all be all in, 100% of us, all the way. You know, if you're, you're sat there and you're still undecided, so that's an option, right? You could be still undecided. But don't stay undecided for long because it's like it's too much at stake. It's too important. It's too important when we need to move on. You know, lukewarm doesn't exist in the kingdom of God. C.S. Lewis says this. He says, Christianity, if false, is of no importance. And if true, of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. Fair enough, isn't it? If it affects eternity, it's got to be. 
It's got to be. See, a few weeks ago, Sam reminded us that the equation, right, that Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And if we're honest, we kind of agree with it, but kind of don't really agree because we kind of think, in my mind anyway, it's like Jesus plus a bigger house and a nicer car means everything, right? Or like Jesus plus like an upgrade in my husband would be good. Or whatever it is, you know. But really, it is everything. And I don't know if uh, any of you have seen a a fairly terrible American series called uh, Prison Break. I say fairly terrible, it's, it's not really terrible, but it's like, it's the sort of thing that you should watch when you're 17, and then you don't have to watch it when you're older. You need like a wash afterwards, it's just a bit silly. But it's about people that try and break out of prison, and it's obviously, it's a completely fictional thing. But there's a bloke, he's here, he's called Sucre, and I, I don't want to do a plot spoiler, but there's about seven series of it, and they don't spend seven series trying to break out of prison, they get out, right? But when they get out, they're obviously fugitives, they've got no money, and they're on the run, trying to get out of prison. And so there's this bloke, Sucre, and he, he, he wants to go to South America to go and um, find his girlfriend. And so he manages to somehow get onto a coach, and then eventually gets talking to this man, and he gets chucked off this coach because he's got no money, he can't pay his fare. And he's like, he's in some random little village, got nowhere for the evening, he's like hundreds of miles away from where he needs to be, he's got no money. And the bloke next to him, who was sat on the bus with him, says, hey, why don't you come round to mine tonight? Like, I'll put you up for a night, and then you can find your own way tomorrow and do what you want to do. So he's, he thinks about it, and you can see he's not that keen. And then he notices that his bloke's got a car. It's not the greatest car, but it's a car. And you can see him thinking, like, I could just nick his car. So he goes and he has dinner with him. You can see that this man's a Christian. He's got, like, you know, crucifixes around his house, and he's showing him a lot of hospitality. This man goes to bed, he gets up, and he steals his car. The next scene, you've got the policemen come, and they chase him down, a big car chase, and they, they arrest him, and they bring him back to the man whose car is nicked. And Sucre stood there, and he's just like, he's so ashamed. In fact, he's a fugitive. I don't know if he's ashamed about that, but he's stolen this man's car. It's like this man, he let him into his house, gave him everything, he stole him, and he looks at him. And the police officers, it's obviously like a small town, and definitely fiction. <laughs> but uh, it's a small town, and the police officers come down, and they say, um, so I've noticed that um, this man's got your car. We presume that he's stolen it, because, you know, why, why else would he have it? And the man looks at him, and he says, no, I, uh, I gave it to him. Sucre's face is just like dropped. He's like, no, you didn't. I nicked it. <laughs> and he went, no, no, I gave it to him, but I'm really glad that you brought him back and you've arrested him and brought him back because I want to give him some money, some petrol money. And you know this man is really poor, and so he gives him some petrol money. The police take the handcuffs off, and he's just stood there. And there's just absolute silence. And you have to realize this is like a silly program that you never really take much notice of. And all of a sudden, I'm there hooked. I'm like, what's, what's going to happen now? The, the man looks at him. He looks at Sucre, and he says, just... Don't, no need to say anything. He says, let me just tell you this. Go and get your girl and then get grace. It's awesome. Go and get your girl and then get grace. In other words, like, go and experience life's biggest pleasures. And then when you realize that's not enough, go and find Jesus. And if it takes me a car and a bit of money to show you that, then it's worth it because your eternity is at stake here. So it's like, go off and do something and, and, and be crazy. And then when you realize that you're still not happy, come back. Come back. And honestly, that, for the next few days, it just rocked my world. It was like a little stupid series about people breaking out of prison. And I couldn't get over it. And, and I kept thinking all of a sudden, this passage made sense. In Matthew 5, it says Jesus talking. It's titled, Love Your Enemies. It says this. It says Jesus. He says, here's another old saying that deserves a second look. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. He's not going to get it anywhere. Here's what I propose. Don't hit back at all. If someone strikes you, stand there and take it. If someone drags you into court and sues you for the shirt off your back, gift wrap your best coat and make a present of it. And if someone takes unfair advantage of you, use the occasion to practice the servant life. No more tit-for-tat stuff. Live generously. In other words, do whatever it takes. Do whatever it takes. I mean, like, a genuine question. I don't know if anyone's ever been mugged. <laughs> no need to put your hands up proudly, but maybe you have, maybe you haven't. Maybe a few of you have been mugged off, but, I mean, actually mugged. And so I, I grew up in Nottingham. I managed to be, avoid it for most of my life. 
I had specialist training of how not to be mugged, and that's true. But that's a different story for another day. But uh, once, we got mugged once. And I'd be about, I don't know, probably 13. I was with a group of friends in the center of town, and the lads that mugged us would have been, I don't know, 18, 19. They were covering the faces. It was hard to see. But fortunately for us, they were probably like the, you know, like Britain's stupidest muggers if there was like a TV program. They were beautiful. I think nowadays, like, I would just hand over my stuff. I couldn't be bothered. But at the time, we were like, yeah, come on, we'll take them on. So they came up, and they went, right, give us all your money. So my friend, one friend starts emptying all his pockets, all his like pound coins or whatever he's got. You know, you're 13, you haven't got a lot. And then another friend went, I ain't got any. I went, yeah, me too, I ain't got any. And then, <laughs> and then they went, all oh, right. It's like they hadn't planned for that. <laughs> and then they're all like little team talk amongst themselves. And they went, okay, jump up and down then. <laughs> Amazing, because then you'd hear the coins. I mean, this is what they're after. This is beautiful. <laughs> and so uh, I thought, well, what do we say to that one? I looked at my friend and he went, can't, I've got a bad leg. <laughs> and, and they looked at each other, they didn't know what to do. They're like, we haven't planned for this, what happens now? And then we were, as this was happening, we were kind of walking along a ward, and all of a sudden we, we sort of fell, fell down some stairs slightly, and the stairs ended up taking us into like a little shop that we didn't know existed. And so we sort of said, do you mind if we just stay here? We've just been mugged. <laughs> they were like, no, that's fine, go for it. But, um, but here's the thing, right? The point was, we didn't want to give them anything. And I imagine if most of us are mugged, we don't want to give them anything. But just imagine if I went, yeah, 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 I've got some money, here you go. And give you your wallet, and I hand my wallet out. And then just as they're about to go, I say, oh, just before you're about to go, just, um, I realize you've got my wallet, there's my cash and things, but you don't know my PIN code. So my PIN code is, you know, 2145, um, and you can get that. And there's a nearest bank is just around the corner. And they're like, okay. And I go, oh, by the way, car key, I've got my car key as well. You take my car as well. I don't even ask for it, but take that car. It's like, oh, okay. I, I tell you what, actually, if you take my car, that'll be stealing, and therefore you're not going to get a lot for it. We could maybe meet for coffee tomorrow, and then we could exchange papers. And so I could give you the papers, and it legally it could become your car, and then, and then it would be proper, and then we wouldn't have to go through this process. Imagine if you did that, right? You'd get two reactions, one of two reactions. You'd either have someone just go, what is this? Be absolutely blown away, and hopefully you could say, hey, let me tell you about Jesus. Maybe a bit surreal, but go for it. Or they would say, brilliant, and they would take all your stuff, right? They're your options. You know what? For the chance that they might say yes, when it's eternity at stake, Jesus is saying, do it. Have a go. Try it. Do whatever it takes, which is bonkers, right? But he's advising, well, have a go. You know, don't take it too, too literally with the mugging and things like that. It's not like next time you're mugged, everyone's going to be going, otherwise we'll mug each other. I'll put a balaclava on. I've got a balaclava. The only problem is my legs are quite long. <laughs> I was robbed by someone. Legs of one meter. But anyway, so our job then as, as, as Christians, those of us that are Christians, is to tell other people about Jesus. We, you know, we shouldn't be the people that decides who's ready and who's not. It's like we just tell everybody. There's a, there's a parable that Jesus taught. Um, you can find it in Mark 4, but there's other in two of the Gospels as well, I think, about the parable of the sower. And it's about a farmer that just went out and, and scattered seed. And it talks about some of the seed landing on good ground um, and some of it on, you know, not so good ground. And you can read about it in Mark 4. But here's the point, right? He didn't say have a little thing where you point your seed and do it wisely. It was just like, tell everybody. Just tell everybody. So that's our job. We want to tell absolutely everyone about Jesus. Some of us sat in here have, have doubts, including myself. We all have doubts. And, uh, and also our friends have got doubts. And so there's a lot of reasons why people might not believe. I just want to try and spend a few minutes now giving us an insight into maybe um, a picture of how we see ourselves. Certainly I see myself in some of these sort of characters I'm going to describe, but also trying to give us like a way in with our friends, with our neighbors, with people that we're trying to share the gospel with. Because all we can do is, is tell people about Jesus. We can't force them to, to believe in Jesus. In fact, Jesus doesn't even force himself on us. He gives us the choice. It's, it's an awesome thing.
So let me just give you some ideas into some of the types of people that we come across, and, and many of them as well. See if you can find yourself in the list. The first type of people that I call is like the assumer. Growing up in 21st century Britain, right, the sort of default cultural position is that God isn't real. That's what we all believe. And so a lot of us have just presumed we're, we're like, we're, we've been brought up atheist, but we've never questioned why. We just presume that must be like the logical workings, outworkings of what it is. And one of the great questions I've asked, I've tried to ask a few friends recently, and I managed to ask some people in Halfords yesterday, actually, just randomly. I was in Halfords buying a new inner tube and a bike tire, and um, got speaking to the, say the lads that were like early 20s behind the, behind the counter, and we're talking about bikes and other stuff. And then I said, um, asked them what they were doing, and they were both um, master students, and one was doing like engineering, so we were talking about that, and one was doing philosophy. And uh, I said, oh, I said, you no time to answer this now. You're going to have to have customers to serve. I said, but here's a big question that I'm wondering, and I don't get it. Massive philosophical question. I said, why is it? Most people would describe themselves as an atheist, and yet would actually live a life as if God exists. And he went, you know what, that's massive. I don't and he tried to explain a little bit, and he was like, I need to go away and think about it. Because let me, let me tell you, if you're an atheist, either for people sat in here or for other people out there, possibly don't believe a lot of the things that atheists believe. So, for example, an atheist would believe that there is no right and wrong, it's just opinion. You know, and you can read like Richard Dawkins and the God delusion of things that say there is no right and wrong, it's just opinion. See, I would say, you know, that like torturing babies for fun is, is wrong. They would say, that's oh, just your opinion. And they probably share the same opinion. It's just an opinion. Atheists would say that actually the free will doesn't exist. So they, I would say that you're all here because you've chosen to be here. Granted, some of you were dragged. <laughs> I get that by you other halves. But, but even then, you've allowed yourself to be here. They say, no, it's just like a chemical balance that's in your brain that's made you come here this morning. Atheists would say that people have no ultimate value, no human value. It's just whatever value we prescribe. I'd say everybody here is completely valuable. Atheists would say that, um, that there is no meaning to life. It's pointless. I'd say, no, there is, an awesome, there is an awesome meaning to life. Just little things. And so a lot of you atheists, when you spell it out, they go, actually, that's true. I'm, maybe I'm not an atheist after all. They just sort of assumed they would have been. Just one type of person anyway. Maybe there's another one. Other people we find that come across as like the injured soldier. You know, some people are just kind of battered and bruised by the journey of life. Life's difficult, right? It's like, you know, and, and for every good day we have, we might have a few bad days, or for every good event we have a few other things, and for some of us it's more difficult than others. But, but for these people, we just got to give them, point them to hope. They don't need some big philosophical quest. You know, I, I saw a beautiful conversation on YouTube a while ago, and it was a, an atheist talking to a Christian, and um, I can't remember how he phrased the question, but essentially he said, like, you know, if God exists, why would there be so much bad in the world? And this Christian starts to explain and starts to um, give this great sort of philosophical reason for it. And then he stops himself halfway in and he said, I just want to apologize. He said, I should have really have asked you, like, are you asking from a philosophical point of view or are you asking because you're hurting? Because if you're hurting, I just want to point you to hope and I want to point you to Christ. And he goes on to explain how Jesus is our hope, he's our comforter, he's our everything. It's awesome. So there's another one. Another kind of people, and this is definitely myself and maybe one or two others, is the hedonist. A hedonist just does everything for short-term pleasure. You know, and they're often like portrayed as being selfish to the core. But I don't think they are. I think we're just people that are just trying to like, you know, have a happy life for want of a better word, right? But here's the, prob here's the thing, you've moved from like one, one piece of happiness to another piece of happiness, and so it might be that you're aiming to like buy a certain car and then a certain house or whatever, but sometimes I think in my everyday life, I try and get one little fix of happiness to another. Like, oh, I'm a little bit, you know, low, so it's like, oh, I'll just eat some chocolate, whoop, get a high for half an hour. And then it's like, oh, I don't know what to do. Uh, I'll watch Prison Break, that'll do me another hour, so I'm happy for another hour. And it's like, oh, what do I do now? So then it's like, okay, well, let's have sex. Um, so you have sex, and that keeps you going for another half an hour. 
15 minutes, <laughs> three minutes, three minutes, three minutes. But either way, it's three minutes it's like you're happy for. And you're just finding these little things and these little bits that go off. It's not that they're completely wrong, but it's just you're always going to be unsatisfied. Because ultimately, our happiness belongs in a relationship with God. And all these other things are great in themselves, but they're not, ultimate, they're not made to satisfy us. You know, C.S. Lewis, probably his most famous quote, said this. He said, if we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. Let me keep going for a few more. Like, there's a, the control freak, that's me. Anyone else want to admit to being a control freak? So some of us, you know, we don't want to become a Christian because we believe that we have to give over all control of everything. And to an extent, that's true. But to an extent, it's like we don't have to become a nun or a monk, like we often believe, right? And I know that for a lot of us, it's like, oh, I don't want to hand that over. And it's like there's a little barrier to stop us becoming. And it's like, no, no, we need to jump over that. We need to help people come over that because to be in Christ is to be free, not enslaved. There's another kind of person, and um, a lot of people, a lot of parents are like this. probably sums up myself as well. It's like the daily survivor. Anyone met these people? So like your, your sole um, mission in life is just to survive. <laughs> Like if you get through the end of every month and you paid your mortgage off and not killed your kids, it's like, woo! <laughs> power. Power to the people, right? It's like they don't have time to sit and, and think about the meaning of life. They're just trying to actually survive, right? Just trying to make ends meet, just trying to like go sort the job, take the kids to different clubs, like sort out parents, whatever it is. It's just like, just survival. They probably want your input. They're probably waiting there. They want someone to say, have you ever thought there might be more to life than this? You could be the biggest hope for them. And yet, we've got to be bold enough to take it. And then there's, a, there's another, well, there's, there's, there's many, many more. But let me just give you one more sort of type of person. There's what I call the sandbag seeker. See, I, I think whereas there's some people that don't have time to think about the big questions of life, there's other people that, that do, but they don't like the answer. So they sort of just bury their head in the sand. I'm good at doing that. I like, so I'll, I'll go along in life and it's like, oh, they sort of know deep down there's probably a God and that there's more to life than just this, but it's like, don't really want to deal with it, so whoop, bury my head in the sand because it feels better and it gets you through the day. You can read about it anyway in um, Acts 24 if you want some homework. I'm an ex-teacher, so I like to give homework. But anyway, there's many more categories and maybe you see yourself in some of them and maybe you see your family and your friends in some of them. It's just good to kind of clock where we're at a little bit because if it really is the most important thing in the whole world bar, bar, bar anything, and essentially if eternity is resting on this, it's like we need to to make sure that we're strong on this and that we've like at least thought it through, at least thought it through. And with our friends, you know what? You don't know until you ask. I wonder if you have friends that you've just never told, you never spoke to them about Jesus or never talked to them about church because let's be honest, it is awkward, right? It is awkward, but it's too important not to try. You know, uh, I had a, a reoccurring dream and um, it's an intense dream, but I, I thought it was important to share it with you. I had it years and years ago. This was my dream. In my, in my dream, I dreamt that I died, and that I was like walking up a, a long corridor. This is not actually what happens, by the way, for those that are wondering. But I was walking up a long corridor, and at the end of a corridor was like a booming party, and I knew that was heaven. And so I was like, and there was a couple of bouncers outside, but I knew I had a golden ticket. I knew I was in. Not because I was an awesome person, but because Jesus has bought it all for us, like I said before. So I knew I was guaranteed a place, and I'm like, yeah, buzzing. So I was going up this corridor like, yeah, come on, on my way to heaven. But as I was walking up, I was seeing friends, and I was encountering the other way, and the first one sort of came, and they, they were actual visions of genuine friends I had. I know some of you are thinking you used to have friends, like I did. <laughs> but, but just to overcome that a little bit, I had genuine friends, and the first friend, he came up to me, and he went, Honestly, Seth, I've, I've tried blagging my way in, but you just can't do it. Like, the bouncers won't let you in unless your name's on the list. It's, it's pointless. We're going to have to just, just take our punishment. And I went, no, no, it's like my name's on the list. I'm, I'm good. And so he says, well, well, why didn't you tell me? It's like, uh, 
kind of mentioned it in passing, didn't I, about the God thing. He's like, yeah, but I thought you'd try a bit harder. And so he walks off, and I walk and find another person, and they're like, I was like, oh, yeah, I've kind of got the ticket, so I'm going in. And they're like, oh, right, yeah. I, like, I kind of told you that I went to church. I didn't tell you about Jesus, but I sort of mentioned the church bit. Yeah, anyway, but I'm going in. And I keep meeting these people in this dream, and I keep bumping into the certain kinds of people, and every time it's the same sort of responses. And here's the thing, I know that when I get through the other doors, I will have no recollection of any of those friends, but I want those friends in with me. And I can't drag them in there, and I can't force them against their will, but I want to try everything that I can in this life to drag as many people in as I can. And that's intense, and this is, a, you know, this is not a, like a, an easy message to bring, and it's not an easy message to listen to. But if it's true... If Christianity is true, it's massive. And because God loves us so much, he won't drag anyone in against their will. That's what, that's what heaven and hell is, essentially. It's, um, you know, heaven is a place where God is, and he wants everyone there. But he says, you know what, you have to choose to be there. Because if you don't want to choose to be there, then I won't force you there. He loves us too much to force us to do anything. And so he says, hey, come and choose if you want. Like, the door's wide open. I've paid all the price for you. You can just walk straight through the door. But you've got to choose it. And if you choose to reject him forever, then you choose to reject him, and, and, and he's, he's fine with that. It hurts him, but, but, but that's ultimately our choice. And so I want to I, I pray this morning, and I've been praying all week, and I want to keep praying that in myself I will do whatever it takes to go and tell my friends, my family, about Jesus. I want to pray that the rest of us get a boldness to go and tell our friends and our family about Jesus, because ultimately there is nothing else more important. From the team here at Global Church, thank you for listening to this podcast. Please check out our other messages available on the website.